have a very uh, intense session planned for you today, and we're going to move right into the content. The subject is uh, wildcard tests. Now, wildcard isn't necessarily a scientific term, but it was coined by our editors because, in fact, it does describe some remarkable results that have occurred from some remarkable changes. We have a group of scientists here and, and experts who have conducted many, many tests. We have the world's largest library of experiments and case studies, and we can typically predict an outcome. But there are times when we are uh, completely, to use another unscientific term, bamfoozled by the results. And so I want to share with you not just surprising tests, but a series of transferable principles that we have developed from analyzing why we were surprised. And more importantly, something that will help you in terms of content to design your own experiments to get significant improvements. I do not believe that we have the right mental framework in place for designing the most promising treatments. Now, I've said in the past that there's not a good meta theory of optimization that we've been developing in narratives and the conversion sequence. For those of you that are students, uh, we will be releasing this year a completely new version of the conversion sequence that's much uh, improved based on all the latest findings and uh, a much improved certification program on the same subject of landing page optimization. And we are going to be introducing to you a meta theory of optimization that uses story form in order to clearly understand what's happening in the minds of people as they move through your process. And certainly learning that material will help you to, to design a proper treatment. But first of all, you must know the category of treatment that should be designed. And even with a meta theory of optimization, you may not understand the kinds and categories of treatments that you should be developing in order to get significant results. I was recently speaking at a major conference. I uh, had the pleasure of being questioned afterwards by a uh, major company, uh, an Inc. 500 company, who had employed one of the world's most well-known well, well optimization expert groups to try and help them increase conversion. Now, this was not marketing experiments. Uh, this was a different group, and I'm not at all pointing a finger at that group. In fact, I wouldn't even say their name because that's not the point. The point is, after a full service agreement that lasted for many, many months, they could not get a single improvement. What was wrong? Well, as I have drilled down on what happened in that brief conversation, I realized that the very category of treatment the way they were thinking about which kinds of treatments they developed was flawed. You can learn something about that today. And so if you'll give me your attention, we'll do more than uh, simply look at case studies or communicate some helpful principles that you can add to your list of best practices, but we'll think more about the philosophy of testing. To do that, I want to start right away by referring to something we learned from one of our own students. And, uh, and so we're going to kind of move past the initial content and go straight to a kind of answer to the question, why on the fly optimization cannot perform more elaborate design? Now, we're going to ask that question in order to answer the deeper, more profound question that I've raised at the beginning. 
And uh, to help you do that, I want you to notice that I have three comps in front of me, A, B, and C, and that they are all uh, submitted by one of the regular participants in these web clinics. This is not a marketing experiments project. This is a study submitted to us by our own students. And I want to use it to kind of set up the problem, illustrate a point, and then I'm going to take you into some uh, deep theory and then illustrate it. So bear with me as I show you the next slide. Here's the background. The company's paid search campaign was not producing many leads. Moreover, the lead quality was poor. Their goal was simple, to see if by changing the landing page, if directing page search traffic to a specific landing page could increase lead quality or quantity. So their approach was to test a landing page design variation, and they wanted a whole group of landing pages to test, but they did not have any preliminary data with which to form the baseline metrics to test against. So they wanted a simple mock-up placeholder landing page, just a, to use industry terms, a down-and-dirty page. They didn't really care how it performed, but it would become the baseline that they would test against. So this page, and this is the important part, received the least amount of energy or effort on their part. Now, keeping that in mind, here's a look at the actual page. And uh, what I want you to see, first of all, is this landing page and some of the issues connected to it. The design of the page may not match the prospect's perceptions of a prosperous lender, which creates anxiety. The green check and red X marks send conflicting messages. The text in the left nav bar is difficult to read due to low contrast. The page copy lacks specificity. The email capture form asks for too much information. There are problems. And uh, uh, the, the, the person in charge of this, whose name is Ryan, uh, is a longtime attendee of our clinics and used many of our practices in designing uh, his pages. And we want to just kind of look at what he did. So here it is with a clear value proposition. The capture form shortened with less friction. Expanded copy providing more information. Button copy has more personal approach. And, and I want you to notice that if MEC Labs or marketing experiments in particular were to attack this page with an optimization project, we would probably design it still with many other changes. But this was done, and uh, admirably so, by a student who's paid careful attention. Let's look at... Uh, the control, and then let's look at the treatment. And I want you to tell me which stage do you think is performing best. So, audience, use your Q&A feature, and let's vote. All you need to tell me is A or B, and I'll give you a sense of what the audience is saying. A, B, 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 A, B, B, B. Uh, I would say that... Uh, and let's just continue just a little bit, all right? So, John, I'm going to arrange my, my bank of computer screens so I can see names just a little easier, all right? So give me just a second, if you would, in the audience while we affect that. I want to see your comment next to your name. All right, so here we go. Brad says B. Michael says B. Karen says B. Steve says B. Stephen, again, says B. Paul says B. Tim says B. And we have an A. Then Tom is B, Ben is B, and Michael is B. Now, you may wonder why I'm reading it to you. Well, first of all, we actually analyze these results afterwards. Every single comment in these clinics 
is analyzed, and it helps us prepare more and more effective clinics. And we've seen that with their enormous growth. But in addition to that, I want you to get a, a real representation of what the audience is saying. So the audience has chosen B, primarily, by far, over A. All right? Let's look at some more information now. So here's the first set of results. Surprisingly, the control outperformed the treatment by a relative difference in conversion of 85.51%. Now, I would hope in the audience that you all agree with me that B is more attractive than A. And I would also tell you that B has made important changes to A. But I can immediately see a significant problem with B that negates the gains in the other areas. But let's hold on that for just a second and go to the second test. So here is yet another much more attractive, much better laid out version. Headline, subheadline, button copy, value proposition, graphics refined, highlighting replaced with red text, testimonials easy to read, they're placed in the iPad, form fills, match control form fills, but placement is different. Notice all of that. And then let's look at this. And by the way, I'm not trying to trick you. Don't, uh, there's no momentum here. Uh, Please don't try to anticipate us. Just look at the two pages and tell me which one do you think is best. And that's how you should be voting now. So let's vote again. Tell me, A or B? I'm watching your votes come in, and we have many more here. All right. John says A. Andrew says B. Tim says A. Chris says A. Nick says B. Scott says B. Marcelo says B. Brandon says A. Craig says B. Steve Martin says B. Rebecca says C. Rebecca, I don't know where C is, and uh, so if you win in this particular vote, then you have outsmarted all of us. Uh, Samson says B, and Kim says A. Now, uh, as you look at these two comps, and as you make that comment, I want you to tell me one thing. What's the primary advantage of B over A? If you voted for B, please tell me what is the primary advantage of B over A. Interesting. All right. So I'm finding that ugly is working better, says Scott. I'm not able to see the survey. He has a cleaner look. The phone number says Wendy. Larger headline says Paul. It's above the fold, says Matt. Clear calls to action, says Brian. And now, can I just deviate from my presentation as I'm listening to these come in? My audience is still... Uh, in fact, they get more and more sophisticated as time passes. But I think that most of us are still thinking in terms of rules. You know, keep it above the fold, uh, emphasize the headline, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if all you ever do in optimization is learn the rules, you will never have the gut instinct to get those high-performing pages more consistently than others. You must understand as I have said so many times before, that you never optimize a landing page. You optimize a sequence of thought. And the problem with the confusion between these pages is failing to know how the page is being perceived by the target audience. Now, I can look at B and instantly predict the results. Uh, and I can do it without seeing those results because it's clear to me that despite the improvement, there are problems. So let's just look for just a moment at what the difference is. 
which performed better, A or B? And the answer is the control outperformed the second treatment by 51.52%. Now, here's what's interesting. These carefully designed pages didn't perform as well as this quickly designed throw-it-up-and-get-it-done page. And there's something to be learned from that as well. It all raises a deeper, more profound question. I mean, you might be asking me, well, wait a second, why didn't these pages perform? Well, first of all, on both pages, the sequence of thoughts is so far out of order that we are not able to help someone have the internal conversations they should have with either treatment. That's the core problem with the pages. We are not allowing a person to think through in the right order, the right set of thoughts that lead to a conclusion to get a quote. Now, there are many other things, but there's something much more critical underneath all of that. But I don't actually want to teach the optimization principle. I want to teach the kind of test design principle you need to learn in this particular clinic that will help all of your other optimization experts. So I would like to ask a question for you. When you decide to build the treatment, what motivates the kind of treatment you design? Is it a list of optimization rules? Is it someone else's page you saw that you liked? That's often the case. Is it uh, an application of rigorous science principles? Maybe, sometimes, mostly not. How could we think? How can we think? about the test process so that we design the right category of comp. And I, I'm reaching for a metaphor, and uh, I'm going to pick a terrible one but I'm going to use this to explain and then I'm going to demonstrate and I'm going to turn this into a class for 10 minutes. I am a professor by trade, so bear with me because I do need to treat you especially like a class and teach some important theory and then cash it in with real-life examples. Before I do that, though, let me show you a specific problem. Let's suppose that you have talent and you're competing on American Idol. Now, I'm not an American Idol fan. I do think that they're leaving about $100 million on the table in their net strategy. However, I will say this, uh, the show is enormously popular, highly successful, and it's got a good premise. Now, you may go into the American Idol performance and sing a song that is uh, weak, and so you determine that you're going to do better next week because you barely, barely skated by this week, and you somehow are still in the running, but you're in trouble. You've got a choice now. What song will I sing? And it's just like designing a treatment. You're trying to get something, and there's some science here, and there's even A-B testing, single factorial testing going on. Your song is being tested against a series of other songs by other performers. And clearly, there's some metrics and science involved. Now, if this is the situation you're in, you need to ask yourself a question, and it's not the one that comes to mind first, which is, how can I improve over last week's performance? At which point you go back and think about your song and you say, you know, I was, um, I was in the, the chorus was high and I, I wasn't able to hit one note and I think the judges noticed that and they brought it up and that influenced the audience and so I need to work better on my pitch. 
Uh, it may be that you see some other flaw in the song, and so you decide that you're going to next week, you're going to work much, much harder to improve your performance, especially to make certain that you hit every single note, that you don't hold a note too long that's too high, etc., etc. But you may be missing the whole point because in the end, your voice may be suited for an entirely different category of song. And if you aren't in the right category, you're doomed. And the reality is all the improvement you want in that particular category is never going to distinguish you because you're singing the wrong kind of song. We make this same mistake. And if I explain the metaphor Please bear with me because I see this in optimization over and over and over again. So then, what do we do? How do we solve the problem? I want to try to help you. And to do that, I, as I say, I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach for just a few moments, and I'm going to share something with you that you won't find in any books and you won't find on our website. We've never taught it before. So just to follow with me, you may want to take some notes. But this is how to think about redesigning a page. This is what you think before you apply the conversion sequence. Now, if you're new to these calls and you don't know what the conversion sequence is, go to our website, type in the search function, and get those articles. There's $10 million worth of free research there. I don't think there's anything on the site that I can think of right now that is even for sale. So just uh, go there and get the good content. But right now, I'm going to assume you know the conversion sequence, and your question is, how do I get a good page? And you're going to think about the probability of conversion, and if you've been taught by us or you've been on these clinics, you're going to think about friction and anxiety and the clarity of the value proposition, the motivation of the user, and all of that could be wrong. It could be wrong because before you apply the conversion sequence, you must make certain that you're applying it to the right kind of design. I say it's the same as the song. Before you try and improve the performance of the song, you need to make sure that you're singing the right kind of song. All right, with that in mind then, let me begin by saying there are only three ways to fix your page. Most of us only think of two. The first way is to add something. It may be that you don't have enough credibility indicators. It may be that you don't have a strong call to action. It may be that you don't have a strong subheader beneath your headline. But adding can improve performance. We had a situation where we added all kinds of ingenious elements and we could not move the needle. And my scientist here came to me and said, what is wrong? And we went to a completely different move. We fought in reverse and we started subtracting from the page. And this is one of the more powerful ways to improve performance, particularly in a page that doesn't have an extensive cell process or where the required move or action on the part of the site visitor is minimal. We subtract it. There's a third way, and that is to change what you already have. Now, I'm a philosopher, and I think in terms of this, even when I'm working on epistemology or some other piece, I, I, you know, of, of my of, of my professional life, I'm, I'm going to be in um, uh, Cambridge and Oxford in two weeks, uh, working and uh, teaching there. And I can tell you right now that. This kind of thinking is typically not applied, philosophy, to the design of pages. But bear with me. This makes it easier. The first thing you need to ask is, do I add, subtract, or change? Now, as you think about that, I want to start breaking down the pieces because most of us are, are focused on changing something and perhaps adding a little piece here or there. But even if we choose to change something, like the headline, like the call to action, 
like the body. I don't mean add a call to action. I mean improve the one you have. So you can add, subtract, and change. Let me talk to you about the two kinds of change that should take place. And I'm not just talking about to one element on the page, but I'm speaking about the whole design itself in a holistic uh, category. So with that in mind, I would suggest this. You need to either change in an incremental fashion or change in a radical fashion. Now, an incremental change is taking the current category. Let's suppose that your page is a classic long copy sale. This means improving the copy itself. This means improving the call to action, perhaps improving the bonuses that someone gets in the value adds near the purchase price. It might mean improving uh, incrementally the headline. But a radical change requires you to think, I'm not even going to try a long copy sale. Now I'm going to go to a very short sale with a download and three series of emails, and I'm not even going to ask for any money until the third email. I know one company that it's not until the 11th email they mention anything that costs money, and they are doing so well financially with their offer it's shocking. I know the margin. But you have gone to their website and you have received 11 emails from them before they make any money. And yet they make more that way than trying to sell you on the first page. I'm not trying to help you think about emails now. What I am trying to do is to help you think about your designs. And I want to suggest that you are not often trying enough radical redesigns. Now, you may want me to explain radical a bit more, and so I, I'm going to do that with yet another version of my diagram here for you. And I don't think I need to break incremental. Incremental is, you know, essentially improving the headline, improving the call to action, improving what you have, but you're still working within the same kind, type, or category of page. But when I talk about a radical redesign, I think of it as being radical for two reasons. It's radical because of the number of elements you change all at once. We call this variable clusters, and don't be afraid to change a lot of things. We are mistaken in the old school thinking that you change one element at a time. You only do that during the refining process when you're trying to get to your deepest insights. You cannot afford to do that most of the time. And you should, first of all, be trying to test radical redesigns where a lot of things are changed until you get a high-performing page, and then you start isolating and testing in smaller pieces incrementally. So the number of elements is one of the reasons that it's radical, but the other way that's radical is the amount of difference, how different the page is from the other pages. I often see three pages being tested, and you have to look three times to see how the pages are different. That's a mistake. Unless you're working with an all-time winner that is fresh, you should be testing wild cards against it regularly, radical redesigns. Now, I want to move on, fact, because I'm going to take you to case studies in just a second, but I need audience feedback. Is it worthwhile the time I've just spent explaining this to you? We're going to cash it in with examples, but is this helping you? I'm, gauging, I'm learning from my audience right now. And I, your feedback is very important. Okay. It's, it's, it's very helpful. All right. So, good. Then, then I, I want to take it and I want to apply it with actual designs, and I want to show you how little things incremental and how radical changes
can make a, a remarkable difference. So let's let's apply this. Uh, also, for those of you that are asking, you will uh, receive this whole uh, lecture and and be able to listen to the clinic, my voice, etc. via email later on or visit our site. But uh, we will get you copies of this. All right, so now let me continue. Sometimes one single element can result in an unanticipated success, and sometimes that tiny change may cue you in that there's something more radical you should try. Let's look at a test that shocked our own team. And to begin with, there's a three-part order process. And Jimmy Ellis, are you on the line, friend? I'm here. All right. Jimmy, Jimmy's uh, our director of uh, optimization, and uh, he worked on this particular experiment. Jimmy, would you just explain to the audience these three pages, the kind of the process that we were going to try to improve? Sure. So the original process, on the order form, or, or actually the landing page on the left, um, there used to be just a button that said continue. Um, and then they would go to the third part all the way to the right, the actual order form. So we wanted to add a email capture. So if they, they clicked continue and didn't complete the order form, we could send them a customer service uh, basket recovery email saying hey, we noticed you were unable to activate your account and, and we wanted to help. So we added the email capture field to the actual comp, and even before we sent them the emails, we got a significant gain. So Jimmy, could you go straight? Jimmy, could you move from your headset maybe direct to your handset? Sure. We're having a little breakup, and I, I want I want the audience to catch every word. Is better? Let me hear it. Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's, that, I think that's better. Jimmy's a, Jimmy's a uh, you know, uh, just brilliant at this type of work. So I'm going to have him talk with me, and we're going to walk through this experiment, and you'll learn some transferable principles, but you'll also learn the bigger piece. So here's the background. The group's netdetective.net. They provide a searchable database of 211 million names. They're run by a really sharp chief executive who uh, has become our friend here because of all the years of research. We probably started with them as a research partner. You know, this is a, a research partner, someone that another company comes we team up, we run research, they get growth, and we learn. And we probably started with these guys, I don't know, four years ago perhaps, and it just never stopped because it was, we all learned so much. And this is one of the tests we did with them that shocked us. The goal here was to increase conversion to match uh, an older rate of new subscriber signups. They were having a diminishing set of results, and they wanted to improve it. So we implemented basket recovery, as Jimmy said. And, uh, and I, I want you to see what this very ugly treatment did and, and start to learn. So, Jimmy, go ahead and explain this page to us if you could. So, sure. So, we replaced that single, you know, order now button, and we replaced it with this, you know, basically it's just a little more clear call to action, become a net detective in just two steps, email address continue to step two. So, that was, was the actual change we made. I don't see the result page, but, but that's it on this process. We capture the email address, so... Uh, like I said, we, we can recover more customers that don't complete. That's, so that's the premise behind the changes. Here's the, the actual email. And actually, the, the reason it's a shocking one is just to make sure we, we got the results right is it wasn't even the email recovery. We, oh, I know. I know. Yeah. So, all right. Don't I'm not making sure we're going the right place. <laughs> all right. So this yeah. is the email that we sent. Basically, it's customer service based. We're not sure if it's, you know, we're not sure why you were able to complete the process, but 
Um, we would like to help out, and it's a very simple, straightforward text-based email that takes them right back to continuing uh, their order on a one-page, easy order form. So if they, if they started, they entered their email address, they clicked continue, and they, they got to the order form and did not complete, they would receive the series of emails and then click back to the page, hopefully, to uh, complete their order. And we've seen this work time and time and time and time again very, very well. So, so here's the flow. Uh, the, a slight change of the landing page, a new letter for basket recovery, and, I mean, we did one experiment. I remember Jimmy and I did this with a group, and uh, we saw them uh, recover 6,000 abandoned orders. But stay with us because we're leading up to the finding, and this is what surprised us, and this is what you need to see. What you need to understand is that we were hoping that this middle piece you see, this email, would make a big difference. But we noticed something peculiar. Before we even sent the email out to do the recovery of someone who abandoned the cart, we saw a lift. And if you'll look at the chart, this is the shocking point. Just that tiny change on the landing page produced a 49% increase in conversion. That's a 49% increase before any recovery emails were sent. Now, that just doesn't hardly make sense because, in a way, we prolonged the process. And in a way, we told them how long it was going to be. And, you know, look at the landing page. It's not pretty. But it made a huge difference. So something triggered that. And now your job, if you're a marketer on the line right now, and you were following with us during the little teaching section, and now you were seeing this, and you said, yes, I've seen basket recovery, and now you're just a bit curious. May I point out that the biggest problem with marketers growing in this industry is that they're not curious enough. I hope you're extremely curious right now because the number one spade that you need to use to turn over uh, your results is, is to dig down deep with the why question. We are so consumed with how, how do we do it, and what, what did we accomplish, that we don't spend enough time asking why. And uh, I'll go a step further and say that marketers are being so, so pressed, so pushed, so uh, pressured by management that they almost never have any time for reflection. And uh, speaking as a marketer and speaking as a philosopher, you really need some time. You need to let your boss needs to let you go away from the day and just think about what you're doing and work through understanding your profile and your audience better. Now, I say that to say this. The, the truth is that that kind of result, catching us by surprise, helped us design many new processes that improve performance overall. What we discovered was something different about our audience, and it was more valuable to us than the basket recovery. I mean, it's not like we thought we would recover 50% of the abandoned orders. That's just a stellar amount. The, the amazing point is that we got 49% more before we even started the abandonment, and that tells us something critical. So the question is, how can you continue to use these kinds of wild card results in order to make incremental or radical new treatments? And I want to show you some quick examples from our research. And so now we will pick up the pace and uh, kind of rapidly go through these as they help us get a sense. All right, so let's explore some examples uh, as I have in front of me. One long-term optimization goal for this partner was to optimize the seven-day free trial order process. So that's what they want. Uh, you see the control landing page on the left? 
you see the control order page on the right. We blacked out some of the partner's information to protect their name because they requested us to do that for competitive reasons. And uh, the primary objective for the first test was to increase CTR from the landing page out to the order page. We want more people who visit the first page to visit the second. So uh, here are some differences. If you look at treatment one, there's an orange button. If you look at treatment two, there are blue text links, no button. If you look at treatment three, we emphasize an accepted solution. If you look at treatment four, there's an email capture first before you get to the next page. If you look at treatment five, the solution text is much, much briefer. If you look at treatment six, the copy and control is different completely, and we remove all ads. Now, what I want you to see here is that there is a combination of incremental changes to the existing page, and there's a combination of radical redesigns. If you look at the treatment one and treatment two, the primary difference between treatment one and treatment two is right there where you have an orange button or you have a blue text link. That's an incremental improvement. But if you look at treatment six, that's a radical redesign. And you sometimes can actually test all of these, depending on your traffic, incremental and radical redesigns. And I would like to encourage you, if you're on the call and you're running four or five designs, to always take at least one off-the-wall radical redesign and try to pick the one that someone suggests that you like the least. Challenge your own thinking. How many times I have been told that's not the way we do things here. And my science team looks at each other thinking, exactly, that's why we came here, to help you do them differently. <laughs> but they're afraid to make such a big change. This is where the big gains come from. I... I was reviewing test results not long ago. In fact, just a series of tests from this past week for a partner that had a huge gain. The week before that, I looked at them and saw another massive gain. I, I looked at one prior to that. I think I may have told it to you, and, uh, the first one was 94.9%, I think, and the next one was 149% improvement. That changes the mass of a business. But you've got to try this combination of radical redesigns. And you also have to know there's nothing wrong with incremental changes. Those designs are important, but if all you do is incremental changes, all you're going to see is incremental improvement. Here's what we discovered. The page with the truncated answer, the very simple answer, the one where we did not add, now here's important, remember add, subtract, change? The one where we subtracted outperformed the control in click-through by a relative difference of 78%. That's significant. That's very significant. What would have happened had we just done incremental improvements? We'd have missed a gain that's nearly double. All right, so let's go on. Here's wildcard elements in subject lines. So we have traffic split four ways, and look at the four subject lines. Thank you for making... Us, your floors of choice. There's one. Here's, here's, that's the control. Here's the treatment. 15% off our way of saying thank you. Here's another one. 15% off your next purchase. Here's another one. Welcome to our family. Stay 15%. Audience, tell me, which one is the best? One, two, three, or four. The control, I'm sorry. See for the control. One, two, or three. Just vote. 
seeing here. All right, three, two, three, four. That's Jason. Two from uh, three from Sheila. Two from Jim. Two from Scott. Two from Patrick. B. Well, there is no B. Jason, <laughs> you need to choose C or one of the numbers. All right, three for David. Three for Stephanie. One for Paul. Uh, one for Michelle. Three for Brian. Jamie, if you are getting bad results right now, it may be in your own testing that it's because you're actually not getting the metrics from the right treatment. <laughs> and I'm just teasing you. All right, so one from uh, Sophia, two from Wendy, and uh, one from Angie. All right, let's just see. But let's build a little bit more information here. The control expresses the customer service emphasis of the site. Treatment one adds incentives to thank them for customer loyalty. Treatment two subtracts, paring the offer down to the barest number of words. So one adds, two subtracts. Three changes a thank you to a welcome message and adds a future incentive. Does that change your vote? Well, let's just kind of see what happened with this. The control was 13% of treatment one was 17%. Treatment one outperformed the control by 31%. Isn't that fascinating? Adding incentive and justifying the incentive with a legitimate reason and adding the gratitude tone is a powerful combination and something you should consider, and that's a transferable principle regardless of the business that you're in. And this is another example. All right, we're running out of time. Let's move rapidly. Look at this now, wild card elements in an email. Those look like landing pages, but these are emails for an Italian company that's one of our research partners. We work with partners from around the world. And uh, it's interesting, by the way, to optimize in Italian or optimize in French or in some other language and, and, and the differences in culture. For instance, this company, try this marketer, almost, and it's the leading company in Italy in their field, almost all of their orders come COD. They have almost no credit card payments online. Why is that? It's a cultural difference. But the principles of human nature do not change from culture to culture. The applications might, but the principles don't. So, here we have eight treatments. The highest performing treatments were those that deviated most from the original treatment. And by testing these other treatments, we just finished this test uh, in, within the last few months, 54% increase, now notice this, in revenue. So, here is the control. Whoops, let's go back. And then radical designs, as you can see some on the right, and particularly notice the one at the very bottom right, produced a radical increase. So what's the key point here? Well, I think the key in this whole piece is understanding that it's not enough to know what elements you need to change on your page. Even if you master the marketing experiments conversion sequence and are superb at design, you need to make sure that you're applying that talent to the right categories of pages. And if you will take the simple methodology that we outlined at the beginning of this program and go back and use that methodology and challenge your current designs with radical versions and then at times with incremental versions and 
then you might be able to see some fairly remarkable success stories. And we want you to send us those stories because they will help us in the future to help you. Now, I have a surprise for you. My team may not be prepared for this, but I'd like to apply this same kind of thinking by talking about incremental changes and radical redesigns to your own landing pages. So I'm going to give you right now the opportunity to submit to me a URL. And as fast as you can submit a URL, we are going to pull up your website and begin to optimize on the fly. Now, please know this. Uh, Jimmy and Aaron standing by for this. Please know that um, we have had partners do this on the phone, or not partners, but just audience participants, many of them. You've seen the story. Some of them have got 300% increases from five minutes on the phone. So let's take our time and let's apply this theory in a very practical way, and, and let's all try to help people who submit these pages two ways. We want the person who submitted the page to get something that will help them, and we want the audience to get transferable principles that will help them. Uh, I'm going to ask my team to stand by and help me. John, uh, I need you to pull up a browser for me. I'm going to get out of your way. This was not in the plan for the day, but I am going to pull rank and do it. So while that's taking place, I'm going to ask that uh, Jimmy and Aaron get ready. We're going to go to some of the URLs. We're doing this uh, right now live. If we find that your URL is too um, obscure for the needs of our audience, we will probably go there, visit, and move on, and then... Uh, so I'm going to go to your URL, but the only the first time I'm going to see it is the first time our whole audience sees it. So we're going right now to Gold uh, Line International. John's going to pull it up, and here we have it. All right, now who submitted Gold Line International? John, uh, scroll down and give me a, a list. Of, give me a name. Tell us the purpose, Justin. What's the purpose of the page? If you submit a URL, it'd be better if you told us what you want to achieve with this page. But Justin, we're listening for you right now. Type in and tell us what it is that you want to accomplish with this page. Justin's uh, coming in while he's talking to us. He wants, uh, number one, to call, and number two, to sign up for the contact. All right, so his, this is not a terrible page. In fact, it's well above average. And uh, I want to talk about this page in two ways. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Jimmy for incremental improvements, and I'm going to ask Aaron for a radical redesign. Jimmy, if you were taking this page and trying to improve the page in its current category, what would you do? So incremental changes would be, I'd use a headline that has a real value prop. They're just stating what it is, but they don't tell me why gold coins are good for investing and collecting in the headlines. You want to start it with the headline. Another change right. I would make is, go ahead. Keep going. That's transferable, um, everybody. That's very good, and Jimmy's dead on. Keep going, Jimmy. Absolutely. So, um, the intro copy has some information there, but we, we, we see over and over again that when you use three to five bullets or something easy to scan and find the initial value of this service, so say gold line, um, it's going to improve your results. Um, I would also do like the layout, you have the side side layout. I'm not sure what to do with the content on the right or how it plugs into the content on the left, but it does not flow naturally. So I would do some re re rearrangement of the content on the page to make it flow uh, easier. Uh, for users. Um, now, Jimmy, I just want to jump in there because this is too uh, important a teaching moment to pass up. This is a page with evenly weighted columns. It's a major mistake. The reason is not because two columns don't work. The reason is because when, when, if that's all you learn from what I've said, you're missing the meta theory underneath it. This is a conversation. It flows in sequence. People 
don't want to have to skip all over the page to get the information they need. It's like having to have random uh, conversations with five people in a room in order to get to the point. What you want to do is to experience the conversation in your mind in vertical fashion. There should only be a supporting column to support, never to communicate core information. It's used only to support a much wider, more dominant column in the iPad that contains all of the information, and that's what Jimmy's alluding to. Yep. Jimmy, go ahead. Sure, and the, the, you know, the top header image that rotates, it says why right now on my screen. I, I'm thinking exactly what, why would you put that there because it does not state or support the value proposition. Now, it, it, in some instances, yes, you want a very high-quality picture of something that represents you know, states of support, the value proposition of gold line, which is nice coins. Or, or coins you would invest in uh, that have value, but I don't think you need both. We, we see that animated graphics don't perform very well in a majority of cases, and so I would like to test removing that, getting people directly to the content instead of having to scroll down through that image. I'm also not seeing, now I, I guess it's on here, but that's the disconnect in the content on the left and the right is I'm looking for the, you know, if I wanted to invest in gold coins, why, why should I? use gold line. I'm, I'm trying to find that, and it's over on the right-hand side, but it does not flow naturally. It's not part of the conversation. It's just kind of stamped over there on the right-hand side. And it it's not convincing me that they Very important. Used. The value proposition is not clear. And I am going to move to another page in a moment so that I can get more of the audience. But what Jimmy said already will produce a yield for you, and I would only add before I go to Aaron that I don't have a clear enough understanding as to why I should call the number. Learn more is not compelling enough. I need a real clear reason to call the number. That has its own sub-value proposition that is different from the main value proposition of the page. The page itself, the company, I should have a reason why I should do business with you rather than any of your competitors, and that reason should be crystal clear. That's what Jimmy's referencing. But then when you ask me to take a sub-step, like phone a number or learn more, you must give me exactly what I am doing, and I'm going to weigh what you're promising me against the pain of the phone call or the pain of the second click, and in that regard, make a decision. So on that point, uh, if I could, Flint, I'd like, to, I'd like to ask exactly what the motivation is of, uh, or what you're trying to get out of somebody that's trying to call this page. Because if I read through or if I just scan through this copy here, it looks like you're telling them about um, purchasing gold bullion or gold coins. Um, however, at the very top of the page, I have uh, next to the phone number a call to action for a free investor kit. So if, if in fact... Um, the purpose of getting them to call is not actually to buy, that you're just trying to build this relationship and you're trying to get them that free kit, you need to start this page with what Jimmy said, the, the, your value proposition of your company, but then for, and build the reason to buy as, as, as why I would want to own the, the free investor kit. And to Flint's point, that free investor kit needs to have a value proposition of its own. Um, that's the product that you're trying to sell in this instance um, with that phone number. You're building that relationship. So build in the value proposition of, of what that actual that investor kit is. And the only mention of the free investor kit that I at least saw on initial glance here was at the very top of the page next to the phone number um, that's above the banner. So. I, I would make that the primary focus, and this is going to be the start to your radical read or one of your radical redesigns, um, and that's making that the primary focus of this page. And another radical redesign that's this kind of a follow-up test at is going to be since you're giving them a free investor kit, that's 
it's going to be taking down or you know lead on this on this page. So don't ask them to call just yet. Um, ask them, you know, ask them. Tell me where to send your free investor kit and get a name and an email and maybe a phone number, and then you can follow up with outbound call as opposed to making them phone a phone number, which which they are not maybe even clear of what they're getting from this. At the top, you've got a free investor kit. It's the exact same phone number as at the bottom where you're telling me about purchasing these coins. I'm not sure what I'm even getting at this point. And because of the flow of the content in here, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors with the way that you're presenting the information. So um, the first the first follow-up test. Aaron, Aaron you, yep. you're nailing it, and what you said is perfect, but I've got to move us. I'm going to move us to a new page. You, you deliver high quality. Just give us the summary you're about to do, and then we're going to shift that to someone else's page. Go ahead. Absolutely. First follow-up test. Um, or first radical uh, test that I would run is is presenting the free investor kit as a primary offer. Don't even talk to them about purchasing at this point in time. Just talk to them about getting the free investor kit. Secondary follow-up to that, secondary radical redesign, I would collect the lead on the page as opposed to making them call, and then you're going to follow up with email, with phone, uh, and, and approach them about purchasing gold coins at that time. Excellent. Uh, lose the big box at the top, too. It's a complete waste of real estate. But let, let's, move, let's move on. We're going to look at a new page. As I'm going there, just to answer your questions, um, regarding research partnerships, uh, as, uh, some of you are curious what this is. This is where we team up with a business, and we conduct research, and they get conversion lists and growth, and we get learnings. And if you want to know more about that, uh, I, I think you can respond to the follow-up or email that goes out to our clinic, and someone can tell you. You may be able to go to our website and find it. I'm not sure. But I do know that watch for a follow-up email and respond to us if you'd like to get uh, more information on these research partnerships. I am now moving to a new page. And, uh, and so this is Drew. Drew, have you, are we clear on the purpose of this page? Drew, tell us what you want to accomplish with this landing page. What is your objective? By the way, all of you should be asking that question first. And to answer your question, Jan Riley, no, we do not just look at landing pages. Uh, we look at every, every aspect of the marketing communication process. Um, all right, so let's move on. It is to inform, no, I'm looking, Drew, attract attendance to their booth in a trade show. All right, so uh, let's reverse it now. And, Aaron, I'll have you talk to me about incremental improvements to this page. Okay. Uh, you said attract people to your booth at the trade show. I had no idea. I, I'm, I'm, I'm scanning this page, and I'm reading the headlines, and it talks about the, the new TRC nom, uh, my dra, my dra, I can't even say the word, uh, retinal camera with, uh, with true red free optical filter. I thought you were selling some sort of uh, equipment on this page, and this was a lead gen for that page. I had no idea that, that this was about a booth and a, uh, a trade show that, that these people are probably going to be attending. You need to immediately hit them with um, where you're going to be, why they should attend, and, and, uh, and how they can participate. Um, the receive a thousand dollar rebate, eight hundred dollar rebates. I, I'm not even sure what you're selling at this point, and you're hitting me with a coupon to purchase. So you need to, you need to first come up with a clear call to action. If it's to get them to your booth, 
everything on this page should be about this show and how you, what you're going to be doing there and how they can participate, not making a sale. Um, Guys, you one have, more point. One more point that will help you both. I'm going to let you jump in, but the audience needs to hear this from Drew. They came here from an email. Now, Drew, that doesn't – and, and I, we want to be critical because we want to help you, but believe me, that doesn't solve the problem. That's what makes the problem because the email, if it talked about the trade show, it should connect in the messaging of the email to the landing page. And may I just say this uh, to both Jimmy and Aaron and to the audience. This is an example of a page that you should not do an incremental improvement of. The only acceptable solution to start with is a radical redesign because the entire page is and, – and, Drew, I mean this graciously. I don't mean it in a critical way, but it just means there's a lot of money to be made. It's completely missing the point, and that's great. It's good news because it's going to be easy to make this perform much, much better. So I'm not even going to ask for incremental improvements. Guys, just hit him real quickly with radical redesigns. Yeah, Drew, let me, let me point out one more thing, and, and that's if you look at your call to action over on the right-hand side, that form that you want them to fill out, it says to receive your free uh, TopCon laser pen with one gigabyte flash drive, please fill out this form below. Well, what you've done is you've included an incentive for filling out this form, but you haven't told them what they actually get by filling out the form. So absolutely, Flint nailed it. You need to blow up this page and, and really start thinking about where your traffic's coming from, how do you relate to them, and then how do you build a message around what's going to help them best and communicate your value proposition clearly. Excellent. All right, so um, let's just move on to a third page. Our time is almost out. If you, We have four minutes left. If you give me four minutes, I'll leave all four minutes as rich and as full as possible with pure content. Is this submitted by Scott? We have a page submitted by Scott. It's called uh, Complete Renovations, the objective of the page. What's the objective of the page, Scott? We're giving him just a second to tell us that. You can optimize without an objective. Lead gen. All right. So he wants to get a lead. Now, I can – I'm going to do this because our time is short. Jimmy, Aaron, you don't have to wait for each other. Both of you just back and forth. Tell us how to make this page better and give us a, a, a design change. Sure, there's too much waste of real estate up top. You have a big header and a big image before you get to any valuable content. You got your form over the, on the right-hand side for lead gen, but you have no reason to use that form when the customer gets to it. The form is in the, thought, in the thought sequence. Jimmy's point, just so everybody understands this, don't ask this girl to kiss you before you've even gone on a date with her. She's come to, she's, you just met her and you're asking for a kiss. She doesn't know if she wants to kiss you yet. Don't put the form there. It's in the wrong place. The form comes after they've had a certain series of thoughts in their mind, and that's why the form needs to be in the center with no right column down near the bottom of the page. Keep going, guys. Not only that, I'm not, I'm not really clear what I get from the form. I see the seal on top of it, and then a checkbox on top of the, uh, on the form that says, new ideas, new bathroom, let's talk. So are you trying to talk with me, or are you trying to offer me a free heated towel bar offer? I'm not, I'm not really clear uh, what this form is going to accomplish for me. You've got a button at the very end of the form that says submit or cancel. So those are my two options. I either, in Flint's, uh, the way Flint would say it is submit uh, or I cancel. It, let them know exactly what they're getting. If it's a free towel bar, get my free towel bar. If it's uh, you don't discuss bathroom ideas, then, then tell me that. Reinforce the value proposition to that form. That form has its own value proposition. It, it, here's what's being weighed in the mind of the person. 
what do I get if I give you this information? And unless you can make what you promise them, what they get more attractive than the pain of filling out the form, you will have horrific conversion. So that check with a header at the top needs to be a really strong, compelling, powerful, visual offer, something they receive. And then why give them the cancel option at all? It's way too much unsupervised thinking. It's yeah. just submit or not. And don't use the submit button. Say something like, get my free X, or yes, send me the information. And then if they don't hit the button, they don't hit it. But canceling is like giving them, are you absolutely certain sure you want to submit? Because maybe you've changed your mind. Perhaps you should go back and think about this or talk to your wife before going forward. Take the cancel button off the form. Jimmy, you go. <laughs> sure. So you, you have bathroom remodeling done your way, but you have to either quantify or qualify done your way. It has to have more value than that. It's not that, that one line. You need to communicate that better on, on your page by using using bullets, using some other images, using a font that's not gray on a white background. It's hard to read. It's hard to see. We hope we receive the chance to earn your trust. I mean, I mean that's fine, but what we say is we, we like to have the headlines, subheadlines, either state or support the value proposition or answer a question in the mind of the visitor coming to the page. So we like to set the value-based or, or, or solution-based subheadlines that will lead you to the content and copy. Excellent. We also absolutely need to have one of those lead gen forms at the bottom of this content, right when the customer is ready to make the buying or continuing decision to either contact you guys or not. We have 30 seconds left. We have 30 seconds. And, right. and you've got this. You've got this hurry graphic over on the uh, the right hand side by the towel bar. Don't don't tell them to hurry and use uh, uh, arbitrary language like that. Tell them that there's it's limited to the first two thousand people or whatever. The, make it make that quantification. Make you know make quantify that statement. Don't just uh, don't just throw them a blanket statement that says you better hurry. Um, tell them you've only got two thousand left. Tell them the offer's only good till. Till, uh, uh, till next week. Tell them why they need to act now. Now, listen, uh, our time is up. I'm going to leave the audience with one set of transferable principles that apply to all the comps we looked at and everybody who is on the line still and who has stayed with us. When they land on the page, all three of these sites have failed to accomplish the most important thing, and that's to initiate a dialogue that answers three questions. The first question is, where am I at? They're always a bit disoriented. They're not sure if they're in the right place. A lot of these pages do not connect with the channel. They need to know exactly where they're at. Secondly, what can I do here? They need a story click in their mind. They need to understand what the page is about, where it's going, what the choice is, what they can do. And thirdly, they need to know why they should do it. If you cannot answer that question within about, you've got to answer the first one, the first two within five seconds. And if you can't answer the whole thing, all three within a minute, you've lost them. So, in fact, I like to answer all three within 30 seconds. Uh, I want to stop with that. I want to thank you for attending. I want to ask you to take a few moments and give us feedback on this clinic using the same Q&A feature so that we can read your comments when we conclude and study and learn from them. If you found this helpful, please let us know. Uh, as we close today, I will only to encourage you that if you found the event uh, useful for you, um, we prepare and deliver this content, all of this, uh, for you. We do not charge. We just ask that if you find it helpful, you share it with a friend so we can build up this community of marketers who are conducting experiments and learning together. Thank you, and we look forward to joining you again for the next clinic in about 14 days.